Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. time up here? Something like that. Um, and each time I felt uh, a little less pressure, a little less uh, nervousness. Um, and so I feel okay right now. Um, so thank you guys for the prayers and um, just your encouragement. Um, so today I kind of want to start off by giving some background to where I come from, um, where my family kind of comes from. So in about two... In 2007, my dad went to Israel, and he came back really um, just hungry and had a deep desire to learn more about the, the Hebrew community, the, the Jewish traditions, and, and stuff like that. And so, um, because Jesus was uh, Jewish, well, he was born into a Jewish family, he learned things like um, he would go to his Passover meals with his family where they remembered that um, God brought the children of, e- of Israel out of Egypt. And so um, they would have a meal together. And so my family started doing these Passover meals. And then we would go on and we, we had this thing called a mezuzah. And it's like a, it's like a little cylinder, a metal cylinder, that you screw onto your door frame in the Jewish community. And every time you walk out your door, you press your fingers to it and kiss your lips. It's to remind you that... Um, the word of God is sweet like honey because you would put um, a little piece of paper in there that had the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We press it to our lips and remember that verse. And we just started to become seeped in this Hebrew culture and these um, traditions. Um, on Friday nights, we had the Sabbath or as the, the people called it Shabbat. And every night, my mom... You'd light a candle in the middle of it, in the middle of the table, on the dinner table, and she'd say these words, Baruch Ada Adonai Elohinu Melech Ha'ulam. It translated in Hebrew to, um, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. And then she would call out a specific name of God. Um, she, there was a time in our lives where um, my sister, McKenna, she, she fell and broke her back. And um, we were really in need of healing for her. We were worried for her. And so my mom would call out this blessing. Um, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And um, she would just seep us into this knowledge that the Lord is our healer. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is um, the Lord as our healer. If you could open up to, in the Bible with me to Mark 9, we in chapters, or verses 14 through 32. Um, we were just at, a couple verses before this, was the transfiguration on the mountain. So the transfiguration has just happened. The disciples saw Jesus walking with Elijah and Moses. God speaks to them saying, this is my son. Um, so the disciples are there and they hear this. That, oh, shoot, this is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to come in and be our Jehovah Rapha. Who's going to come in and heal our land. Who's going to come in and uh, heal our people. 
And then, um, then there's this story of a boy that's healed. I'm reading now. Mark nine fourteen through 18. And when he came to the disciples from the mountain, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, who has a mute spirit. And, whenever, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, foams at the mouth, and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. The, uh, so some of his disciples are up on the mountain with him, and some of them are still down in the valley talking with uh, the people of Galilee. And so they um, have the discussion about this, this boy who is possessed or has epilepsy. We, we don't know what's going on with him, but um, he's, he's having seizures, and it's really scary for the parents. And they're frustrated because, for some reason, the disciples, the people who are supposed to be following the Messiah, the people who are supposed to have this power, they can't cast out this demon or they can't fix what's going on with this kid. And um, they just can't figure out why. And so um, we often get that question like, why does, why does sickness or... Um, why does sickness or irreparable damage happen to us? What... What is going on? Why does sickness happen? If you could move to the next slide. Um, it's because in Ephesians 6.12, if you could turn there now, it talks about what we truly fight against, of what the real issue in our lives are. I'm going to read it now. 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In this passage, it tells us that, um, man, we're not just dealing with, uh, oh, hey, Isaac, how are you doing? (laughs) Um, In this passage, we're not just dealing with um, uh, physical afflictions, but also spiritual afflictions. And when these spiritual afflictions happen, we have to be aware that it is a spiritual attack. Um, And who is responsible for these spiritual attacks? If you can move to the next slide. John 10.10, it says, the first part of the verse is, He has come to kill and steal and destroy. He being Satan, um, the powers and principalities that's referred to in Ephesians 6.12. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Whenever there's things that's going on in your life that uh, is not life, when when things are being stolen emotionally, physically, when things are being destroyed physically and emotionally, that's not from God. That's not from Jehovah Rapha, our healer. That's from Satan. 
And so in those um, first two lines, if you're following along, you can just put these uh, addresses. Ephesians 6.12 for the first one, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And for the second one, John 10.10, he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But then if you want to move to the next slide, Michelle. God has come to give life. When we finish that verse in John 10.10, it says, I have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. Uh, God is here to fix those things. He's here to heal those things. And sometimes healing doesn't come from um, what we are expecting healing to look like. Sometimes it's not uh, immediate physical healing. Sometimes it's emotional or familial (laughs) healing in your families. And sometimes that healing looks like medicine, that God-given medicine that um, he's put in the hearts of people to inspire, to create. So these are the questions that um, we wrestle through when we say, like, why, why is this happening? These are the questions that must have been going on in the minds of uh, the disciples as well as the father of this boy who has um, epilepsy and is seizing out. Moving on to verses 19. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. It's kind of an interesting uh, reaction Jesus has to somebody, someone asking him for help. You don't often expect Jesus to respond with kind of a, what am I to do with you? What is going on with you that you aren't getting this, you know, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Um, There's some dispute on who Jesus is exactly talking to right then, if it's the disciples, if it's the people of Galilee, or if it's the father of the boy specifically. So let's kind of break down what that looks like for each of those. So on the faithless generation, on the first part, we're talking about the disciples. So, the disciples have been with Jesus through his Galilean ministry. This is the 50th, um, this is about to be the 50th miracle that these disciples have seen. So, the disciples know that Jesus can cast out demons. They know that Jesus can um, turn water into wine. They've seen his miracles. They know his power. And yet, they're not able to do anything about this kid, and so there's some friction of like, man, I I believe in you, God, but I don't, nothing's happening. Just because I believe, nothing's happening. Um, Upon meeting the young man's father and seeing his disciples' inability to do anything for the man's possessed son, Jesus called attention to the faithlessness of the generation in which he ministered. Scholars are divided on whether Jesus meant to include his disciples in his comments, though the disciples' inability to help the man suggests their faith was weak, and that they had yet to grasp and believe fully in Christ's, Christ's teaching. Jesus' strong words then would have served to awaken them to their unbelief. The, the background that these disciples come from are they're, they're fishermen, they're, 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 they're normal lay people. <laughs> And um, 
man, they, they know God's power, but they don't, they're not fully believing in everything the Messiah can do. Even though just a few verses before the transfiguration has happened and they literally heard God say, this is my son, they're still missing it. How often do we as a people miss what God is saying to us? He has the word for us right here. And yet we still can't grasp what's happening. The faithless generation might include the, the, uh, the people of Galilee. He tells these people, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? When Christ utters these harsh words to his people, he never means to destroy because that's what Satan does. What God does is he's come to give life and give it more abundantly. So how is um, calling them a faithless generation and um, questioning them on how long he can bear with them, how is that giving life to these people? He's calling to, uh, their attention to their sin so that they can repent and be restored. Whenever we find Jesus rebuking others in the gospel, we should see how these words apply to us. Let us turn to him in repentance, confident that he will forgive us and strengthen our faith. Do you think maybe right now this is a faithless generation? A generation that knows who God is, that's aware of him, but doesn't know his true power? That maybe if we believed in the power of Christ, things could change in our communities, in our families, in our government. Another person who this could be referring to is the Father. The Father of the Son. Read on a little farther, 19 through 23. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him in and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said through tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is a kind of a telling response from the father, right? He says, Yes, I believe you, but I don't believe you enough, enough and I need your help. I need... <laughs> I, I know who you are, God, but show me. Show me who you are. Help my unbelief in you. When, um, when things aren't going well, when there's sickness that's not being cured, when there's um, damages that you don't know how they're going to be undone or fixed, what do we do? Do we cry out and say, God, help me, because I'm not believing you can fix this, or do we just leave it? <laughs> do we just say, okay, God, you don't know what you're doing. Obviously, this is not helpful to anyone. <laughs> 
God answers even in times of doubt and struggle. It's okay to doubt and struggle. I think oftentimes as um, Christians, there's this weird uh, tension between, you know, okay, God has fixed everything. God's paid the price for me. So I shouldn't feel things that hurt. I shouldn't allow myself to be in this place of hurt and struggle because I know God's already paid for it, but I still feel this way. It's, it's okay to feel things. It's okay to struggle and talk with God as you would um, a friend or someone who uh, you have confidence in. We are people in a relationship with Christ. We love him, but he doesn't do things our way. His ways aren't ours. Lean into this appeal to Christ for help. Moving on in the verse or in the chapter uh, 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, uh, why could we not cast it out? So he said to him, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. And some versions of the Bible says as well as fasting. It's cool that uh, Jesus continually shows he has this power over death. In the next verse, he talks about, hey, uh, I'm going to be killed again, but I'll rise on the third day. And it says that the disciples don't understand him. And yet Jesus is continually having this power over death. Because Satan's come to kill, steal, and destroy but he has come to give life more abundantly. Um, moving on in the notes, there's a few different ways God gives us opportunities to heal. The first one is um, admittance of sin, as well as repentance of sin. The, the father said, Lord, help my unbelief. Um, Implying that, yes, my, my sin here is that I don't believe you enough, but I believe you have the power to change that in me. It talks about the, the disciples not being able to do this miracle. If we go ahead in the, ver- in the chapter um, a little farther to Mark 33, this is right after... Um, the boy being healed. They're walking into Capernaum, and um, Jesus asked the disciples, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Because while they were walking, he could hear them kind of arguing in the back. And they said, they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would, who would be the greatest. Um, they're... The disciples were wanting all the glory. They were wanting to be these good Christian men that you could see, oh, look at me, I'm the best, I'm, 
I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest disciple out of all of my disciple friends. And um, I wonder if there's that sin that blocked them from being able to perform this miracle of casting out this demon from the boy. When we admit and repent from our sins, so not only admitting our sins, but repenting as well, um, we can see some serious change in our lives. The next is prayer. In verse 29, Jesus says, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There's a couple of reasons to pray. You might want to tell God how much you love Him and why. You need to say you're sorry for specific actions or attitudes. It's the repentance of sin that we were talking about. You may want to thank God and be in a spirit of thanksgiving. Uh, you might want to bring a concern about your life or someone in your life to God and invite Him to help. In James five thirteen through 16 it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So if you're suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him, them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we pray, um, miracles can happen. Change can happen. I think about, you know, when we, when Lily and I started coming to this church, um, there was just like some blueprints of a possibility of having uh, this extension on our church. And I saw your group, your community, pray and pray that uh, finances would be raised, that um, we could do this well, you know, and that it would look nice and that everyone would come together, and they did, but it was through the power of prayer. I think of I think of even like how Lily and I got here. We hadn't, we weren't seeking out churches to um, work at at the time. We were struggling and we just needed prayer with Pastor John. And it was there through prayer that he um, invited us to come work alongside him in ministry. I think about even this past week, I got to pray with Edgar and he gets to teach on Wednesday nights. And I've seen him grow from. You know, this kid who's interested in the Bible and the gospel and who likes being around this church family to someone who can teach. It's such a miracle, but it's only through prayer and it's through your prayers that this stuff changes, that this stuff happens. When 12 men got together, the disciples, and prayed, they changed the world. I think of what could happen with 50. <laughs> I think of prayers from St. Patrick's, Christ before me, Christ behind me prayer. I think of Martin Luther King Jr.'s prayer for the church. Mother Teresa's prayer and Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Every time serious, devout prayer is happening, things change. And they change for the better. They don't always change the way we want. They don't always change the way we think it should look like. But they change. Another reason 
to um, another opportunity God gives us is through fasting. And this is kind of a, an, an interesting thing that Jesus says here. He says, but by per- this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. <clears throat> and um, before I get into like why it's important to fast, I want to talk about reasons not to fast. Um, sometimes there might be health concerns. Um, if you're on certain diets, like don't just ignore that. Like <laughs> focus. Make sure you're staying healthy. But aside from that, there's some other uh, spiritual reasons. A reason not to fast would to be seen by others. The theologian Piper writes, the critical issue is not whether people know you are fasting. It's okay if people know you're fasting. That's fine. But it's knowing you are fasting, but whether you want them to know so that you can bask in their admiration. Um, if you're fasting to say, look how great a Christian I am, I'm... Um, maybe oh, I didn't even explain fasting. <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, it's when you are stop eating food or um, stop having something that's distracting you and instead focus solely on prayer and scripture. A lot of times it takes the... It looks like skipping a meal or two to um, stay hungry, but for the word, and so it helps you focus. Another reason not to fast is uh, to be justified by God. In a parable in Luke 18, 9-14, there's two people confident of their own righteousness. Jesus spoke of two men. One said, I fast twice a week. The other said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Only one of them went home justified before God. Fasting is not um, salvation. And, and I think that's an important dis- something to distinguish. Another reason not to fast is to be commended to God. Food will not commend us to God. We are neither worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do. Fasting does not cause us to earn something from God, but it helps us to be more receptive to what he wants to do in and through us. When you're alone and secluded and only have your Bible and prayer, you can uh, better hear from the Lord. You're more focused. And um, maybe if the disciples would have been a little more focused, if they would have prayed a little more, this uh, spirit of could have come out. Um, sorry, let me move some stuff around real quick. Throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, suffix, suffixes are added to the name of the Lord to deal with specific aspects of who God is. For example, the Hebrew word for Jehovah Jireh, the Hebrew word Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. At the time of his ministry in Galilee, Jesus is performing a healing miracle where he cures a child of his epilepsy. When we say he is a healer, we would say one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, my God who heals. With the word Rapha translating to to make completely whole, to thoroughly mend and repair. So not just uh, heal, 
but to completely mend wholly. It's like um, you're being mended physically, spiritually, emotionally. You are whole. You're all there. The name Jehovah Rapha is a name that speaks to us in our need today. We live in a stressful world and society. Every day new problems confront us and we bend under the load of seemingly unsolvable problems. Jehovah Rapha can bring healing to a sick world. My God is a lot of things. He's not just Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Shalom, my God of peace. He's Jehovah Ra, the God, my shepherd. He's Jehovah Shema, the God who is here. He's Jehovah Elion, the God most high. Jehovah Nissa, God, my banner. This God is an almighty God that has power we can't begin to describe or understand. But through prayer and fasting and repentance of sin, we can receive that from Him. This time I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the lessons we can learn from the man who cried out to the Lord Jesus for help and was reminded that all things are possible to him who believes. May I never forget that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that your power to heal and help in every situation is as sure as it was when you healed the sick and turned water into wine. Thank you that by the grace, through faith in Jesus, I can come to the throne of grace for mercy to find help in a time of need. Keep me from doubting your word. Increase my faith in the days ahead and prevent me from being adversely influenced by the mountainous situations I seem to be facing and the difficulties and dangers that are looming ahead. Forgive me for the times when my trust in you has been overshadowed by my foolish doubt and my spiritual walk has strayed from the paths of righteousness, truth, and wisdom. Help me to fulfill the work that you have prepared for me to do in the power of your Holy Spirit To your praise and glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service We'd love to meet you.